The Deal with Yield is a podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. Tune in to episodes on iTunes, My Farm Radio, and thedealwithyield.com. Tweet any question you have for the hosts with the hashtag DealWithYield or email them at host at dealwithyield.com for the chance to hear their response. Welcome back to The Deal with Yield. We're back with our two hosts, Joel Whipperforth, Winfield Ag Technology Application Lead, and Kyle Reiner, Winfield Master Agronomy Advisor. Joel and Kyle, can we talk a little bit more about soybean aphids? One of the things I saw this spring as we got closer, uh, soybean seed treatment, some of the guys started to pull out the insecticide portion of their soybean seed treatment. And so one thing we could be seeing right now is aphid populations tend to be spiking in areas where we didn't have that early season insecticide suppression in there. Kyle, what do you see around aphid distribution in fields? I look at the winter. Did it warm up earlier? Is there a possibility that we can have the influx of aphids moving from the buckhorn, which is the host for us, and moving into the field? A lot of the recommendations in our area and is kind of driven off of the year prior to is some of the pesticides that we've been spraying on aphids haven't been necessarily controlling them like we wanted to or giving us consistent length to kill them. And it's been uh, over and over and over with the same type of pesticides. So we've actually had an influx of seed treatments with insecticide on it to prolong that application of pesticides to control it with just one pesticide versus two. I always look at the years when it starts to warm up a little earlier. It seems like the pests come there in effect early along with other pests that come through right away. When you start talking about the different insecticides that we've used out there, certainly anybody who has a honeybee hive population near them, that's one place where spraying later in the evening is going to help you kind of be in a little bit better spot in your community that the honeybees tend to be at home at night. And so if you're out there trying to spray for aphids and you've got a hive nearby, if you can try to target that field a little bit later in the day, that's going to help your hive out a little bit, as well as maybe consult your agronomist about which insecticides have a little bit harsher impact on honeybees because that's one area that we obviously want to make sure that we are part of a community and making sure that we can help everybody be in line we just got to be stewards of the land. Yeah. Whether we're using pesticides or chemicals, we have to do the best job to be part of the community that um, provides for us, whether it's honey or grain or vegetables. We just have to do the best job we can. What he said. So state by state, are most states the same when it comes to thresholds for spraying for aphids? Yeah, I see the state-by-state thresholds changing. And a lot of the thresholds were started when the aphids first came on. That was all the way back in 2002. And it was interesting, the University of Wisconsin, Go Badgers, they came up with a pest threshold of over 500 is what you needed. University of Minnesota had about a 250, and South Dakota had somewhere around one. So why so many pest thresholds? I think the big thing is any disease or bug or insect, there's a knowledge base that you need, and every environment's different. And some people's mindset is, look, we're in an arid environment, and our plants are stressed underwater anyway. And so sometimes they end up pulling the trigger a little earlier than the threshold. Any insect, whether it's piercing or sucking or chewing, is a bad thing. And it's just opening up a vector point for disease or any kind of infection to come into the plant. So I'm not here to say spray with one aphid, but depending on the year and how it's set up, I do 
change a little bit based upon the environment around it. Yeah, and I think we do the same thing pretty openly when we're managing for alfalfa. That's a crop where we've constantly got leaf hoppers and alfalfa weevil, and if it's hot and dry, we are much quicker to pull the trigger on an insecticide application versus if we've got plenty of moisture, we'll wait till there's that economic threshold that's a little bit higher. It's interesting to watch the time where you get the higher threshold. It does vary, doesn't it, from year to year? Yeah, so I think aphids kind of like the comfortable weather, or what I would consider comfortable weather. If it's uh, not too humid, not too hot, that's kind of an environment where they're going to thrive in. And I think they're a fascinating character from the standpoint that they give birth to a live pregnant female every two to three days and that they can flex that population up so rapidly under ideal growing conditions that they can really colonize. And as soon as their population gets too thick, They'll have a sensor that they'll give birth to a live pregnant female population with wings, and that'll cause them to kind of blow up and spread to other parts of the field. So certainly there's hot spots along tree lines, and the minute that I say that they're typically in one spot, you'll have them show up in a hot spot in the middle of a 180-acre field, and no rhyme or reason why they should be there. But typically we see them along tree lines. Do you find that some years it's difficult to determine when the spring should be so that economically you're not having to spray again? Does that happen very often? Uh, every year is different. I wish there was a line saying, look, if this is when they infect, it just kind of depends on the year and how they reproduce. Sometimes we have to spray twice. Sometimes we can get by once. Sometimes we don't have to spray at all. And we don't ever want to apply when we don't have to. But there's other things that it entail as far as when they break. The first place I run to is I run to the river bottoms. That's where the heaviest infestations of buckthorn are. And I start getting populations there. And then you can just kind of see as the weeks progress that it just gets farther and farther away from the buckthorn. But usually it seems like along the rivers are the worst, and they're usually the ones that have to apply more than once just because where the holding factor of buckthorn is. To say that there's a hard and fast rule around a particular count, when the universities did some of the initial thresholds on this, they had to have the pest to do the research. And so that's why it's not as easy to come up with that threshold. You know, I remember last year we had a phenomenal bean crop that was pushing 60, 70 bushels in some fields, and there's a different economic threshold there, but the data points don't exist that we've had aphids in high-yield environments over an extended period of years. It's a little bit tougher thing to test for. Common sense goes a long way on how we manage these insect populations. I think the funny thing, when the aphids first come out, they're like, oh, yeah, just wait and pray for a big rain. It'll wash them right off. And after that first rain, I was all excited. Let's go out there and see them all clean washed off. And I get out there, and, yeah, they're still on there. And so they usually, during the day when it's hot, they'll, they'll migrate down to the plant. And when it's cool, they go back up on top. And most of them if ever, are never on the top of the leaf. They're always on the other side of the leaf or the stem. So to get any kind of washing off would probably be a hailstorm <laughs> or just a crazy amount of wind to get those leaves flipped over and, and washed off. And the other thing, too, that could help you control them is if we get into a cool spell, there's a natural fungus that's out there, and uh, that'll help suppress some of the hot spots of some of the aphids. Yeah, I remember when I was first scouting with this very, very experienced producer and uh, – old Leonard, he pulled me out into his field and he says, young man, I don't see any aphids out here. And I flipped over the newest petiole that had maybe 300 on just that one leaf. And I said, Leonard, I can appreciate that you can't see them, but it might be time to put your glasses back on. <laughs> and you can't see them from the road at 50 miles an hour, right? So 
another thing other than just soybeans, I think in our area is the western side of Minnesota particular is it gets a little drier over there earlier than in the east and aphids actually been in, infesting our corn plants and people are like oh it needs so many 500 on the year leaf or above and, and such like that but actually when you're out there combining you can see circles where the aphids come in early and really high pressure and it actually the test weight goes down dramatically and standability will just suck in the nutrients out of that plant so there's a different shade of color to it it's more of a pale or a dusty look and just think of it as if you're sucking on it all day long as a bug and, and you've got the juice of the sugar is coming out and it gets dusty or something starts moving, that dust sticks to it. So I think that's some of the, the look that happens. But in our area, it's not the most fun to walk corn late and get the pollen down your back, but it is a time when you should be out there checking because they do a little bit more damage than people think. We've received a lot of questions from farmers like yourself this year, and we love questions. If you have any questions about your operations, you can tweet in using the hashtag DealWithYield, or you can email us at host at dealwithyield.com, and we will answer select questions during the next season. And if you're texting while driving the tractor, please pull over or use the appropriate auto steer button. You've been listening to The Deal with Yield with Joel Whipperfirth, Winfield Ag Technology Application Lead and Winfield Master Agronomy Advisor, Kyle Reiner. For additional episodes of The Deal with Yield, visit iTunes, My Farm Radio, and thedealwithyield.com. 